Welcome back to the Knit British Podcast, the podcast that explores all the connections of Britishness in wool, fibre and knitting. On this journey, meeting all of the people involved from sheep to skein, I am your host, Louise Scully. Knit British, love local wool. Hello and welcome to episode 101 of the Knit British podcast. Hello to returning listeners and a special hello to those of you who are joining us for the first time today. I hope you have grabbed a whip. I hope you have grabbed a drink because we've got a lot to get through in episode 101. First of all, I want to say thank you so much Uh, To all of you for your feedback on episode 100 and all of your happy 100 episode wishes. They mean such a lot. Thank you if you got together uh, to drink, eat, chat, knit on the 13th of January. It seems such a long time ago now. It was only last month. And if you got together with your friends or you came to Edinburgh or Bath or... London or York or you just got together at you know at your own house and just celebrated with a drink uh, and some knitting then thank you very much. Our day in Edinburgh was amazing and we had lots of fun. I will bring you a little bit of our KB100 deck from Edinburgh a little bit later on in the programme. I didn't get recording as much as I wanted to, but I did manage to get the microphone out and ask a few questions. I might not play them all for you this episode, but uh, I will do my best to bring you some at the end of the show. January was such a lovely month and it involved seeing a lot of great woolly people and having... (laughs) now freed up the deck uh, from my mind, which was, you know, taking up a lot of space and time, Uh, then I have subsequently packed the rest of my brain space and (laughs) time with all things Podcast Lounge. So we'll definitely be talking about Edinburgh Yarn Festival and Podcast Lounge on the show today. We've also got a yarn review with some of our listener reviewers and that is the new Cheviot Blue Yarn from Whistlebear. We've also got a a review of some cracking stationery from Popcorn and Crocodiles. But first of all, we are going to go wool exploring. Thank you so very much for your feedback on the North Royalty Wool exploration from last month. And thank you for taking part. If you did, and if you still are, there are some North Royalty explorations still going on. So many of you saying how much you enjoyed it and being very supportive of my idea to find an easier way to collate the wool exploration findings. I don't know if you read my blog post on the Gotland wool exploration. It's over at knitbritish.net. You'll find it there. I mentioned in there that our lovely listener, Elizabeth, who is Atlasphere, 
she very kindly, as a 100th episode uh, gift to the podcast, created a Google form which we can use to essentially copy and paste our reviews from Ravelry, our wool exploration notes into, and it creates a fantastic PDF out to the other end. And it's going to be really helpful because uh, I think I'd like uh, to use it for future listener reviews and things. It's a great way to collate information. So thank you, Elizabeth, and from everyone at Knit British for, for doing that and putting the work into creating that for us. So like last time I'm going to look a little bit at the breed and then get cracking with our reviews. For my reading this month I used the Fleece and Fibre sourcebook by Deb Robson and Carol Icarius which is like my wool bible and Sue Blacker's book Pure Wool which if you haven't already got that is a great book, really really helpful book. The term Gotland refers to a Swedish breed which was developed in the early 20th century from the primitive breed, the Gute. And I hope I'm saying that right and I apologise to any Swedish speakers if I'm not saying that correctly. Uh, that's a landrace breed uh, which is native to the island of Gotland which is an island located uh, around 51 miles east of the Swedish mainland. And while we're talking about Gotland, let's all take a moment to tip our woolly hats to the king and queen of Camabornia, who are lucky enough to live in Gotland. They're coming to Edinburgh Yarn Festival. I don't know if you watch the podcast. Pia and Dennis uh, do a really great uh, YouTube podcast, and I was just watching it this morning. The gute of which the Gotland uh, were developed are... The one of the North Atlantic short tail group, they're horned and their fleece can actually be shed as many primitive breeds can. Uh, the fleece of the goot is layered uh, with sort of fine wool, uh, can be less than 17 microns, which is really, really fine, and then more coarser uh, fleece with Kemp. And the breed almost died out in the mid 20th century, but conservation efforts uh, were put in place to, to keep the breed going, which is an amazing thing. The modern Gotland breed is the result of crossbreeding with the Gute, uh, and possibly with Russian breeds Caracals and Romanovs, if Wikipedia is to be believed. Um, I don't know if that's, that's a fact or not, um, but the result is the non-horned Gotland breed with its fleece from pale silver to charcoal black, really dense curls. And the fleece is quite similar to long wool in its luster. It's very, very shiny, um, quite similar to mohair in its characteristics. Because there have been different developments of this breed with different crosses, there are different fleece characteristics. And as we always talk about on this programme, we should never believe that breed wool is homogenous anyway. Um, some Gotlands have been bred specifically for fineness. And the Fleece and Fibre Sourcebook says that the Stansborough strain in New Zealand is particularly soft and fine. And apparently this wool was made into cloaks for the Lord of the Rings films. Sue Blacker writes... 
that uh, Gotland is a three-crop sheep as its fleece, meat and skins are very prized. And I know Jackie P. Beshevar loves her Gotland uh, sheepskin that she got a few years ago. Gotland became one of our long-term lodger breeds, as I like to call them. <laughs> Those are sheep breeds that have made their home here in the UK. And, and that started in about the 1970s. Adult sheep are small, they grow to about 55 to 70 kilograms and the fleece weighs upwards of about 2.5 kilograms. The micron count can be as low as 18 microns to about 35 and colours again predominantly grey but they dye incredibly well as many of our wool explorers will be able to show uh, with their Gotland yarn traces. I did two swatches and my I used my hand spun Gotland and also I did a swatch with yarn from the Hollyhock flock which you might remember Susan Hobkirk talked about when she was on the show was that back was that back in episode 87 I think it was um first of all the hand spun uh, I got these massive bats of Shearling Gotland from Eden Gotland back at the Scottish Smallholders a couple of years ago and there were two different greys and they were so so silvery just beautiful um, so I spun the two different greys into singles and then plied them together to get a little light marl the Gotland spun beautifully I have spun with Gotland before I had a little sort of trial size combed preparation and you know this particular bat uh, from Eden Gotland which I don't think they have an online shop but you might want to check I know they go to things like Woolfest and places like that but it just honestly it just opened up like angel's hair it just kept on drawing it was incredible and the twist going into that ply was just so lovely I just kept thinking that it would make a really drapey yarn uh, but there's a fine halo on it as well and I kept thinking a hap I want to make a hap in this so I think that the rest of that big squashy skein is destined to be the centre of a hap I've never spun yarn so fast either I mean spinning is quite fast it can eat yarn but the got the Gotland spun really, really quickly. It just all got sucked up onto the bobbin. I spun my Gotland from the fold. So it's quite juicy with luster, but also with texture, which I really like. I think also this is possibly, these are possibly the skinniest singles that I have, have spun. I'm, uh, you know, I've not quite got fine spinning yet but this is probably as fine as I spun on the wheel. My other yarn was a double knit from the Hollyhock flock. Now I make a point of not really reviewing yarns that can't be bought online as I have had so many emails and comments over the years that you don't want to have to call sellers or you don't want long convoluted payment transactions you want to be able to buy things at the touch of a button and let's face it I do too we all do so I took the decision a long time ago that I wouldn't review anything that you couldn't easily buy online at the touch of a button but this is wool exploration so it's a little bit different um, I will put a link in the show notes so you can find the hollyhock flock blog but please 
be prepared um, that it's probably not online yet <laughs> um, and you will have to, um, I had to do a bank transaction um, for this. So yes, as I say, they don't have an online shop, but after Susan Hobkirk talking about the yarn, I really wanted to try it. And oh my goodness me, it's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's a deep, 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 dark colour. It's so, so lustrous, so dense, soft and wooly. Uh, and I've decided to start knitting polygon hexagons. Tin can knits have... Uh, a blanket in the mad colour book called Polygon and I just think it's a great way you know uh, to knit swatches to knit these little hexagons so there might be another blanket whip in my future who knows my hand spun is still quite lanoliny so it's and it smells deliciously sheepy the garter in the hexagons pops beautifully in uh, the hand spun, really well defined. I could just eat it, it's so well defined. Same with the Hollyhock Flock DK. I love the stitch definition and that lovely halo over it. Um, we'll get to your reviews in a moment and go really in depth with the Gotland, but I wanted to tell you that I actually have swatched with Gotland before and it was for one of the Edinburgh Yarn Festival sessions that I did with Blacker and we did the evolution of a swatch and I have four swatches of Gotland. One is just cast off, one is washed uh, and blocked and the other is washed, blocked and worn quite a lot and then we felted the fourth one and I'll put up pictures so you can see but I really was impressed on how the Gotland wore. I used a textural stitch in the swatch that we used for that and I was really impressed with how it wore. It was really, you know, stood up really well to vigorous testing. So I have no Gotland garment, but personally, I would think it would wear incredibly well indeed and think that I really need one in my life. I need, I need a Gotland, I need a Gotland sweater or something, I think. Right, on to our reviews. Firstly, um, thanks to all the chatter in the thread and everyone who talked about Gotland, who tried out Gotland. Um, thanks to Nixie 9 Practical Cat, Arkea, Wollombie Dreamer, Maz, Seaweed Sarah, Thinks and Knits Greens, DB, Dry Gardens, Small Bear, Only Dreaming, Lindy Hopper, Mariette 694, Skeen Heroin, Lisa Marguerite, Silver Spring Knit, Tigger Bee, Fine Fettle, Fibres, Sarah MW, Iriberio, NC1, Elfin Petronella, Nitty Narna, Atlasphere, Pandora Slave, Knit Seeker, A Big Bee, Cat Smoke, Knitting, uh, I can't read my own writing, Knitting, Pangs, Silver Cloud, Poke to Goblin, all of you guys, your Gotland chat in the Ravelry group is so great and really, really informative for anyone coming in there trying to figure out this this fibre for the first time. Our reviews this time have been collated on the Google form, as I said, the lovely Elizabeth Atlasphere created the form and it's been hugely helpful in, in collating our results and we will always use this form from now on and uh, it will be you know, sticky in, in all the threads and things. I'll make sure that you know it. it really is helpful. 
Um, it's great to have our reviews on Ravelry because we want them to be accessible, but this is really helpful to be able to collate that information. And again, thank you so much, Elizabeth. Just so you have some details, so there were 32 reviews this time, which is phenomenal. Thank you so much. 19 of us were using Blacker, who have a fantastic range of Gotland yarns. Of course, Sue Blacker herself keeps Gotland. Um, we've got um, three users who used Little Grey Sheep, a couple of our Aussie uh, reviewers who used Granite Haven Gotland, uh, and then others were unknown brands or uh, hand spun. There's also uh, Chopped Ginger in the mix as well. So uh, a great mixture of, of yarns. Um, 14 of the explored Yarns used were dyed and the rest were in natural shades. 78% of you used double knit and the rest with four ply. And 60% uh, used woolen spun yarns uh, with a couple of hand spun uh, and um, worsted spun yarns or variants thereof. I've used the pie charts on my on, on our on our our, our uh, Google form here already. That's brilliant and so interesting. So, hand squish grab and initial thoughts on the use of the yarn. So we have comments like soft, lofty and airy. I love it. Uh, that was Willombi Dreamer talking about um, the Granite Haven Australian Gotland. Masnitter said the wool has a friction to it. Del B, it's quite a light DK. Love the luster and the colour. Would look great for cables because of the luster. Uh, knit and think green, not elastic, somewhat soft, not very spongy, but feels satisfyingly warm. Seaweed Sarah says, feels quite thin for a double knit, but it's silky smooth running through my fingers with a lovely halo and a gorgeous sheen. Dry Gardening said, the ball of yarn did not feel dense to handle, but rather as if it had air injected. That was a blacker, one of the blacker ones. Liz NCK, initially a little rough, but developed a softer feel. Uh, Silver Spring Knit said the hand squish grab is strong with just a little bit of scritch. Oh, I like that word, a little bit of scritch. That's much better than scratchy or itchy. It's kind of a combination of both, but doesn't quite sound as negative. <laughs> Erkia says that it's a strong yarn when you tug on it. Um, it produces a sound and refuses to break. I love that twang. That's a, that sounds fantastic. And for a woolen spun yarn that she was using, that's really interesting. Soft, squishy and crunchy and grippy. That's Nitty Narna. Uh, Sarah MW, the hand squish grab is, grab is clean, dry, soft and hairy. Uh, Mariette694, she hand dyed hers um, and she says it is very hairy and sticky and reminds me of mohair. Stuff that she's using, which is Gotland from the Netherlands, she says it, it's very different from Gotland wool that she's used before. Uh, Elfin Petronella says there's a crispness in the ball, uh, but it had some give. Squishy, slightly crunchy, smells of sheep and hay. That's Lisa Magritte. Uh, fine fertile fibre says, again, another crisp handle, but, but smooth and even with sheen. 
Uh, Only Dreaming says very hairy but soft and robust. Rebecca72 Jones. The wool feels gorgeous, silky, smooth and lustrous. Sando, she said nice sheepy smell. Uh, spun into a robust double knit weight. Blythe Spirit, soft, fuzzy, bouncy. Uh, and thinking knit green, very spongy, bounces back in the hand when squeezed. Very elastic. So there's a mixture there. There is softness for those who like softness. There is also the halo. There is also a crispness. You know, we've got a few comments here, a few a few reviews here that say soft and crisp. So this might be a really good one for you to test you guys um, who you're not quite sure if, if you'd like yarn that's got a crisp handle because as we'll go on to see, um, some of these yarns soften up quite incredibly as we go on. In terms of needles and stitches, mostly those uh, reviewers are using from 3.5 to 5 millimeters because most of you use double knit. Lots of different uh, patterns used. Garter, particularly textured stitches, particularly. Uh, there's some texture crochet going on. Um, some vivid tin can it's vivid going on. Others choosing to do cables and lace. So let's hear what some of you thought of the the yarn whilst you were swatching with it. Blythe Spirit said it's very smooth to knit with. You can feel some of the lanolin absorbing into your hands. Uh, Sando, who um, hand spun hers, she said she really enjoyed using that yarn. It's neither scratchy nor soft. Um, it's sheepy and took cables really well. Uh, Rebecca72 Jones, smooth on my needles, only spill it once or twice, no shedding. Only Dreaming said floaty to knit. Um, she was knitting with um, four ply. Not always easy to see the stitches because of the hairiness, but it was easy to tink back and re-knit and yarn shows no ill effects from being re-knitted. Wollombie Dreamer said this wool is simply glorious to work with. No vegetative matter in it. Swatch feels soft and silky. Fine fettle fibres. Once knitted, I began to see a bit of a halo. The yarn behaved itself. No splitting or pilling as I knitted. Good stitch definition. Lisa Marguerite says the wool smells like hay and is gorgeous in colour. It sticks to itself in the ball. Not too much, but it makes me think it would be good for colour work. Skane Heroin said it was a strong yarn. My swatch contained garter stockinette and reverse stocking stitch. That's going to pop. Elfin Petronella said... Uh, I found the yarn grippy and that suggests that Gotland would be good for colour work. But the beautiful luster made me want to knit textured knits and cables. Mariette694 said, I worked with smaller needles so it made a dense fabric. The knitting uh, wool feels soft in my hands. Nitty Narner said, it felt crunchy uh, but with a fluffy halo and no long guard hairs. I knit this at a looser gauge than the North Royalty and the swatches drape. Stitch definition, not great. So that's uh, interesting. There's a, a, a blacker yarn. So depending on the, I guess, the needle size you're using, it might depend on the stitch definition that you get. Silver Spring Knit said, lovely wool to work with, slides through the hands and on and off the needles, but without being too slippery. 
Liz NCK, a bit of stick to it would work well for colour work. Knitting and garter gives a good solid squish. So again, I, this is looking like a good all-round yarn, isn't it? It's looking good in lace, it's looking good in cables, it's looking good in garter, it's looking good in stockinette. Um, I will put pictures at the show notes so you can see. In the first wash, block and wear test, I asked you how it changed, if it changed. Atlasphere's Gotland was soft and drapey after the wash, block and wear and in be had better definition, she thought. Del B said she laid hers flat in lukewarm water with no wool wash and it plumped a little. It took a light blocking really well and held its structure of the log cabin square perfectly. After blocking, the swatch is soft with drape, not prickly at all. Think Knitting Green washed hers in the machine on the delicate cycle, blocked well, fabric softened, dried quickly, robust. Seaweed Sarah says it seems to have lost a little bit of its shiny luster uh, and washing has increased the halo. Uh, Seaweed Sarah using the hollyhock flock as I did. Silver Spring Knit says she wore this under her bra strap for a day, for most of the day, and did not realise it was there. That being said, she said it was noticeable in the beginning. I think it would make a great second there, but not sure if I put it next to my skin for the entire day. Uh, she says in capital letters before any of the other wash, block and wear tests, this is a wool I would use again. <laughs> Let's see. Nitty Narner said, oh my goodness, so deliciously soft after a two hour soak and aggressive blocking. The stitch definition isn't as evident as before, uh, and the, but the cables are still quite prominent. Sarah MW wore her unblocked swatch for half a day under her bra strap and quickly forgot it was there. When she washed it, uh, the fabric was soft, airy and light once blocked. Uh, it got hairier uh, in the washing and the halo was more noticeable. Uh, Elfin Petronella, she felt the swatch had more drape after blocking, and it held, but it held its shape well. She also roughed it up a bit, she said, in the first wash, block and wear test. Uh, very slight shedding and pilling. She wore the swatch for about an hour under her bra strap against her shoulder and neck. There was an initial prickle, uh, which subsided on the shoulder and arm. So what about the second wash, block and wear test? Let's hear from from some of the others here. Lisa Marguerite, she first washed hers in hand uh, water with no soap and she thought it was softer after the first wash. In the second wash, she said she followed pretty much the same rinse and repeat and the blocking and she didn't notice any pilling and she, uh, even after distressing it and it still kept its 10 inch square as it had been when she first blocked it, which is great. Fine Fetal Fibres said after a second soak and wash with added abrasion and then re-blocking, this yarn has bloomed very slightly but not pilled. The width remained constant but I lost about one centimetre of height from the swatch. Um, it felt much the same in the hand and when worn uh, after the second wash block and wear. Rebecca72Jones said 
the first time she washed it, she washed it in soap and left it for about 24 hours. Um, she said it, it blocked nicely and the stitch definition was great. On the second wash, block and wear, she said the swatch is pretty robust. My partner used it to dust the dashboard when we were returning home after our afternoon out. It is very soft. I squeezed it and roughed up a bit in the second wash with soap and agitated it quite roughly. The swatch stood up well to this activity and it still has a nice halo and no pilling. Uh, Sando, Sandra, she again was using hand spun yarn. Her first wash block and wear, she blocked it to 10.25 inches square and it had a slight halo, felt soft and fuzzy. Wore it against a bare hip for about 10 hours as she ran around doing errands and then having a nice afternoon with friends. She said there was an initial prickle, but she forgot it was there eventually. Her second wash block and wear, her uh, dimensions changed ever so slightly. She says lost its sheepy smell in the second wash, but feels very soft. The halo has increased slightly, but no visible signs of pilling after vigorous rubbing. And while the stitch definition isn't as strong as... Other, the other beads that she's uh, explored before, there is an added bonus of depth of colour uh, that the light really catches and it's impossible to capture accurately on camera. I find that as well. I find that. Um, I asked if anybody wanted to do an optional third wash block and wear. Knit Thinking Green said after several washes, socks that she'd knitted in Gotland have shrunk slightly despite air drying on sock blockers. Still no pill. Fabric is ever so soft. Only Dreaming, she was uh, knitting with a blacker four ply and she did a, a machine wash at 30 degrees with e-cover washing liquid and a 800 rpm spin, spin and the swatch looks just the same and held its block uh, really well. So this is a pretty fantastic wearing yarn isn't it? I asked what did you think post-test would be great use for this yarn and there were lots and lots and lots of suggestions for sweaters others saying i think this would be glorious for garments and accessories my other skein might become a pair of polguth socks from blacker that's seaweed sarah silver spring knits cardigan sweaters lace panels Ooh, wouldn't wouldn't tin can knits windswept sweater be great or a lush Ooh, I could knit anything. I could knit tin can knits till the cows come home. Tigger B says, oh, I'm not going to rush to use this again, but this particular blacker uh, Gotland would be good for felted uh, projects. Uh, Nitty Narner said, good for a simple hard wearing garter or stockinette jumper, but I'd have to wear long sleeves underneath. Again, the people who want to be a bit more adventurous, but might not want to wear it, close to their skin. Sarah MW said she would happily use this yarn again and she's thinking lightweight cardigan. Again, lace panels uh, coming up or colour work. Mariette says it would be good for mittens. Elfin Petronella, I enjoyed working with this wool and could imagine myself knitting a cardigan or a sweater. Sin Spins said that she thought the fibre was pretty mesmerising and perhaps it has magical properties. I would make a lovely scholarly cardigan. Oh my goodness, that would be incredible. A scholarly cardigan in Gotland would be awesome. 
Skin heroin, she thinks that it would make a great sturdy sweater. Again, sweaters. Lisa Marguerite, I love this wool. She says that in, in capital letters. Sturdy outerwear garments. Uh, Wallombi Dreamer, this wool just loves to be lace and I think it would be good knitted up as a shawl or particularly a hat or a blanket or cardigan. She can't say enough good things about that wool, which is really nice. Only Dreaming loves the texture and colour. It would be interesting for lace and holds up. Uh, holds the block extremely well. Rebecca72 Jones, she says uh, it's got luxurious drape. I would do a special scarf or an item of clothing where silky drape would be appreciated. Yes, we've got to think about what we want this wool to do and what we want it to be. Um, Think Knitting Green says remarkably insulating properties for winter hats, mitts, jumpers, versatile for projects requiring warmth, softness and comfort. Maz said this item worked really well in Stranded Colour Work. It's in, it, she says a little wiry with the halo but entirely strokeable. I've also used the same Gotland uh, DK successfully as a loosely worked drapey wrap. Oh my goodness me. When I asked anything else that anyone wanted to add, um, Seaweed Sarah said, what a wonderful discovery. I absolutely loved it. Uh, Dry Gardening said, I would use it again. I think it's well suited to open work and displays distinctive stitch definition, even with the hairs. Mariette said, this swatch is made of wool from sheep that are held mainly for conservation reasons. I loved testing this yarn after knitting a shawl with Gotland from the Little Grey Sheep a few years ago. I appreciate the care for their sheep and their yarn. appreciate uh, the differences in qualities of the different yarns. Uh, Wollombi Dreamer's final assessment. I love it. <laughs> I love the finished swatch. Really lovely to knit with. I can't wait to find a nice pattern to knit with this wool. I am so chuffed that most of you enjoyed working with this yarn and for those of you who thought at the end maybe I won't knit with it again thank you so much for giving it a go and for really exploring it closely and I this is one of the main things about wool exploration for me is just giving it a go just trying it and if you still don't like it at the end well that's fine now you know you why you don't like it again as I always say not all breed wool is homogenous. Maybe you tried one of the yarns uh, uh, and then you've just heard that another is, is different with this breed. You know, maybe you want to try Little Grey Sheep next or maybe you want to try the Hollyhock Flock or or whatever. Um, keep on exploring if that is what you, what you aim to do. I really, really, really enjoyed the, that and I really enjoyed the process of reading out these fantastically collated um, <laughs> results this time too. Our next breed that we're looking at and we are currently currently exploring it now is Ryland and there is a blog at knitbritish.net where you can find all the information about that. I have decided to make this slightly longer um, for the wool exploration because it was due to, the deadline was due to be the beginning of March, but Rosemary uh, Champion, who has Rose Dean Ryland, is going to be at Edinburgh Yarn Festival on the Sunday. And I wanted to make sure that anybody who was going to buy their Ryland from uh, Edinburgh Yarn Festival had a chance. So our deadline uh, for the Ryland wool exploration is the 23rd of March. And there is a chat 
going on in the Knit British Ravelry group. Some of you have submitted your um, reviews already, which is unbelievable. Um, if you go over to that uh, post, you'll find links to uh, find uh, Ryland yarn uh, as well as uh, tops and fibre. Then our wool exploration after that is going to be Jacobs and you might want to listen in for the next episode of the podcast where I will be giving a little preview of the new Jacobs yarn from Blacker Yarns. Look out for a blog post um, about that coming soon and then maybe you'd like to know what the next wool exploration breeds are going to be for the next few months. The next four breeds are going to be Teeswater, Romney, Dorset and Southdown. Now, the deadlines are the 7th of May for the Teeswater, the 1st of June for the Romney the 9th of July for the Dorset and the 6th of August for the South Down. There will be a blog post about each of these, so don't worry. Dorset, I'm going to allow Dorset Horn, Pole Dorset and Dorset Down. That's going to be fun to try and collate that, but I think it would be really interesting to try and look at these different breeds of the Dorset. And I think... That will be a really interesting one. I think law will be really interesting, but the fact that there are... <laughs> I've made a rod from my back here, haven't I? Those are the ones you need on your shopping list. So after Ryland, we've got Jacobs, then Teeswater, then Romney, then Dorset, uh, any of the varieties of Dorset, uh, and South Down. So that's enough to keep you going. Those are our spring-summer breeds. <laughs> and hopefully lots and lots to discover. Thank you again, every single one of you who took part in that review. Let's move on to Adventures in Yarn. This is about the halfway point in today's show, so if you need a little break, this is a good time to pause. I was really delighted recently when Emily Owen got in touch with me to tell me about her new venture, Popcorn and Crocodiles, and this incredible notebook that she's created. You might have seen this in my stories a couple of weeks ago if you follow me on Instagram. I love good stationery. I'm quite a fan. For example, I always use the same notepads for writing my, my podcast notes on. Um, I like a good quality paper and I like great spacing and things like that. And I like to use my favourite pens with my favourite notebooks. So <laughs> when Emily offered me a copy of her notebook to try, I absolutely jumped at the chance. And I've got it here. There will be much stroking of the notebook while we talk. Adventures in Yarn is a beautiful, big book. It is 21 centimetres by 15 centimetres and has oversized and most importantly, sturdy uh, spiral binding. The cover it says 
Adventures in Yarn uh, with a great clear font and a fantastically simple but really effective design on the front cover. Uh, it's grey and yellow. The you know the design sort of looks like folded um, legal paper. You know yellow fool's cap. It's it's fantastic. Inside it is full of treasures. Let me tell you, there are five sections of different coloured paper and they come with a lined, plain and squared paper. There is a yarn note section at the end of each section of paper, of different coloured paper and uh, these have a hole punched um, for each section so that you can actually add a little thread of yarn and these yarn note sections come pre-scored so that you can fold that yarny portion in so it's not trailing out your, your notebook. I love the fact that you can add swatches. I think that's incredible. Another thing that I love about this book is that there are seven clear plastic pockets, which means you can add as many little loose bits of uh, bits and pieces that we sometimes accumulate, um, you know, patterns ripped out of, of uh, magazines or you know, yarn reviews and things like that. I think this is this is really great. That would be enough for so many of us. That would be more than enough. All of those lovely um, sections of paper, little uh, place to keep all your loose bits and pieces and a yarn note section. But there is so much more. After the notebook portion of the book, there is pages for detailed yarn inventory. Inventory. There are four pages. Um, there's space for the yarn name, the weight of the yarn, the type of the yarn, the colour and dye lot and the quantity that you have. I, th I think some of us might need more than four pages, but I think this is really great and it's, it's fantastic. Some of us don't use our Ravelry stashes, but this is fantastic to keep it all in one place. After this, there are fantastic section for wish list, for yarns, for patterns, for projects and accessories, then monthly reminders and goals, and achievements section. So you can write down what you achieved each month. Um, I have been so bold as to use it for what I want to achieve. So for February, I've got finished Louise's socks. These are the socks I'm making for Louise Hunt. For March, I've got finished crochet blanket, which I hope will be in the podcast lounge. And I've also got finished Mahi for Podcal. Hmm, that's less likely to be achieved, but it's a good intention. Also, which I kind of quiz past, but at the very front of this, we have an incredible colour wheel page which gives information on monochromatic, an uh, analogous, complementary triad colours. That's an amazing uh, addition and a nice sturdy um, colour wheel card. And then an incredible needle gauge page for knitting needles and crochet hooks. It also has a, a ruler on it. It's incredible. The first thing that struck me was the paper quality. I've talked about this before in knitting books. I really love good paper quality and the writing paper in here 
It's got to be about 200 GSM. It's silky and great quality. And I was keen to use a variety of pens on it because I really did want to test this, you know, and if it was gonna be you know, smudgy with some pens, I wanted to be able to tell you. Well, I can tell you that I used a range of pens from ballpoint to gel pens to my very fav favorite um, Faber-Castell broad pens, uh, which are sort of felt pens, and they worked beautifully. There was no smudging at all. The design on the pages is really fun, and I have to say that sometimes notebooks with sort of decorated pages can compete a bit with what you want to put on the page, but I think these, they were, it just works so well. Emily has worked with a graphic designer in Scotland. In fact, all of this book is designed, produced, printed, created in Scotland. And I really love the aesthetic of the design. I feel very eager to fill all the pages with jottings and be really creative with this book. Uh, personally, I imagine using this book for my wool exploration and keeping track of my yarn reviews in here. It's totally perfect for that. I also love the organiser part. Um, I would have been tempted to put that at the front of the book or have a tab or, you know, an attachable, detachable bookmark so that you could mark the, the sections that are most useful to you and you can flick to them quickly but I know Emily has plans to expand popcorn and crocodiles and offer a wider selection of tools and things so perhaps insertable items are on the cards that is just my personal preference but by golly this is a real yarn lover's friend however you choose to use it you can fill it with your knit and diary you can fill it with your design plans, with your future plans. You can fill it with your good intentions, as I have done in the achievements section. Definitely a notebook designed for a stationary lover. It's a great size. It's a great quality. I love the hardback covers uh, on the front and back. There is plenty of opportunity, as well as it being a beautifully designed book, there is plenty of opportunity for you to put your own stamp inside it. On top of all this wonderfulness, Emily is donating 10% from each sale of each notebook to charity. And uh, until June, it's Age UK. Uh, and then the charity will change every six months. I think that is cracking. Journaling in the sense of what it can mean today, in the sense of hacking notebooks to create just the right kind of paper and ink space for our needs is um, always appealing, but I can never quite get on board with it. I don't know why that is. I mean, I have washi tape. I love washi tape. I have all the coloured sharpies and things. But Adventure in Yarn is, is my answer to that. It is a paper and ink space dedicated to wool and the pleasure of wool. And it will be a pleasure to use this fantastic book. I've just loved... Um, playing with it already. It's a delight to behold. It, I just love, it's It's open on my lap just now and it's, you know, it's fantastic. It's, I just love it. It's, it's really cracking. I'm excited to see what else Emily Owen has in store for uh, the future, um, for all things nitty wooly stationery related. I think you're going to love adventures in yarn uh, it costs 18 pound and it is absolutely worth every penny you can find the book uh, at the popcorn and crocodiles etsy shop 
Emily is has a website, popcornandcrocodiles.co.uk. And she's on Instagram as Popcorn and Crocodiles. Thank you, Emily, so much for giving me a chance to play with Adventures in Yarn. I feel like I'm going to have a bookcase full of these filled with incredible woolly adventures. And you can too because not only has Emily given me this she's also given me another one to give away and I am so grateful because this is fantastic and I you know I'm always so grateful when people give us things for prizes uh, um, but this is just I'm just joyous that someone else gets to share this wonderful stationery <laughs> gift and if you jump over to the Ravelry group you can enter with a chance to win. I just can't wait for you to I just can't wait for you to discover it. It's fantastic. Um thank you, Emily, so very much. This is Adventures in Yarn. I was given this for a free and honest review, and freely and honestly, it is awesome. Edinburgh Yarn Festival is right on the horizon and if you stand on your tiptoes, you can see it coming. Uh, Edinburgh Yarn Festival is on at the Edinburgh Corn Exchange from the 15th to the 17th of March with heaps of extra events like the Big Knit Night on the Thursday and the Cayley on the Friday and the Meet the Shepherdess Wind Down on the Sunday. All details can be found at edinyarnfest.com, but please remember that things sell out really quickly. I believe there are still some tickets left for the Meet the Shepherdess event on the Sunday. All advanced tickets to the for the entry to the marketplace on Thursday, Friday and Saturday have now sold out. Do not panic. You can still buy tickets on the door for the Friday and the Saturday. Please remember, you can only buy tickets on the door on the Friday and Saturday. There, The marketplace is open on the Thursday, but that's only open to those with advanced tickets. So please don't rock up on the Thursday if you don't have a ticket because you won't get in. It's disappointing not to get tickets for things, but please remember to try and be polite about these things when you're talking about it online. The corn exchange is only so big and the amount of people coming and going through the doors over the entire weekend, can never expect to get tickets for everything. The the you know the 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 venue can only hold so many people for evening entertainment. So please don't be rude about not getting tickets for things. Edinburgh Yarn Festival organisers have essentially doubled the um, space for the party um, than in previous years. So it's not like they're not working hard to try and make more space for you guys. But you know, please please be. Try and be polite about it. If it helps, I'm not going to the Cayley. <laughs> so somebody out there has got a ticket. One person out of all those disappointed people. But, you know, what is happening? Well, there's going to be three days of the marketplace. Lots of vendors. Um, more of my top picks on the next episode about that. There is going to be more yarn and more classes than you can shake a woolly stick at. There is the photo booth. This year it's going to be in the marquee, which is that extra space that I was talking about. Uh, that... Photo booth is going to be run uh, by the Toft, 
uh, stand, which is exciting. There is the knit night on the Thursday for those of you who have tickets for it. There's the Kaylee on the Friday for those of you who have tickets for it. And then I'm just so delighted about this Meet the Shepherdess event. You will have seen that. I've written a post about it on the blog. It's at the Corn Exchange on Sunday the 18th from 10 till 2 and it's a fond farewell to Edinburgh Yarn Festival 2018 with a real focus on small wool businesses. There are going to be actually eight vendors there who haven't vended the whole weekend long. Black Isle Yarns, New Leaf Yarns, Lifelong Yarns, Berlin, The Accidental Smallholder, Croft 29, Lammermuir and Hawkshaw Wool will be there. Now, they're all names you will have heard me talk about here in the podcast um, and also, there will be Uridale, Daughter of a Shepherd, Whistlebear, Prado de Lana. And in addition to that, Felix Ford will be doing a trunk show for her new book, Knit Sonic Standard Colorwork Playbook. And she's going to be on a solder stall, which is going to be up and running as well. It's going to be a lovely chance to kick back and relax. And as I say, a fond farewell to Edinburgh Yarn Festival. Uh, it's going to be incredible. I'm really, really, really looking forward to this event. And what about Podcast Lounge, I hear you ask? Well, I am super duper looking forward to this. The entire breakout area this year is going to be the Podcast Lounge. So it is bigger than ever. Uh, we have the Meet the Podcaster event every day from 12 till 2. Longer, uh, because you asked for that and because there are so many podcasters who are going to be coming there's also something new called the listening project which may be uh something similar to something that you know might be on radio 4 uh but we have our own podcast lounge edinburgh yarn festival version so we've got a little recording room off the podcast lounge which we'll be using for doing audio and video recordings and encouraging you to pop in with a friend or even a complete stranger, pick pick a prompt, pick a, we're going to have a, a bag full of, of prompts for you, like little topics of discussion, pick one and share a conversation at Edinburgh Yarn Festival. It's events like this, we share so much of our experiences and our stories and I would like to capture a little bit of that and these will be played on the Net British podcast over the year and we're also going to be doing a little bit of videoing now I know a lot of you will be going oh no not video but it will be lovely to try and capture a little bit of video and the video portion is only going to be in the mornings and you can still say no I would just like audio please don't be scared you know, don't be scared. It's Mr. KB who's going to be doing the videoing and he's nice. He's really nice and non-obtrusive. <laughs> you don't have to say your name. You can say a RAV name if you don't want to say your real name. Uh, it's all about sort of sharing these important conversations that we have and it highlights the incredible community that we have, I think, as well and how we how we connect at events like this, even with people that we don't know or people that we've only known online. Um, and I think the listening project will be a really great record of these things. We'll also be encouraging podcasters to come and talk to you as well and interview you. Last year, we had a little focus on getting folk to try interviewing people and try generating some podcast content. And I'm pleased to say that that's spurred on some new podcasters and I want to further encourage that. We're going to have 
some talking tables. These are going to be a few tables in the podcast lounge which will have signs on them that will say if you sit here you may be engaged in a conversation and an interview with a podcaster. It is not easy to interview people. Even seasoned podcasters get collie wobbles and it's as odd to approach someone with a microphone and ask questions as it is to be approached. <laughs> um, but we really want to help encourage chatter and help encourage podcasters to interact with you, the fantastic festival goers, and generate content for their shows. So that's a really easy thing that we can do is have a little sign on the table saying, if you sit here, you might be asked. You can say no, <laughs> but we really hope to encourage that. And think about new podcasters who maybe interviewing for the first time ever, you know, this is an opportunity to sort of encourage more um, from for, for that. What else have we got going on? My goodness, we have lots of fibre and wool fun. We're going to have a, a fibre exploration station. We're going to have a woolapalooza board where you can write down short wool reviews on post-its and encourage people to buy breed and British uh, blend yarn. Um, you can rave about Romney, brag about Border Leicester, promote... Paul Dorset, shout about Shetland, wail about Wensleydale, brag about British wool. This is the place to do it. And if you are not familiar with British wool, this is the place to find out more. I am so, so excited for Edinburgh Yarn Festival and the Podcast Lounge. I have no idea how my voice will hold out. I am very excited. Um, I'm so keen to see you and say hello. I will talk more about this next time, but I will remind you, please, when you come up and see me, and I really hope you will come up and say hello if we've met before and I stare at you blankly. It's just because there are, it's just so overwhelming, you know, anxiety and things like that. Sometimes I'm struck dumb uh, when it comes to remembering I have a bit of face blindness and things like that so please don't be offended if I have to ask you what your name is and if we haven't met before and you say my name is Joe Bloggs and I go what's your name on <laughs> you know what's your Twitter avatar what's your Ravelry name because um, these are the things that we tend to know each other by don't we so I'm really looking forward to it so so much and really looking forward to seeing you all there and if you can't be there, I hope we can bring you a little piece of Edinburgh Yarn Festival right here in the podcast afterwards. Before the end of the year, Alice Ellsworth from Whistlebear sent me an email to tell me about her new Cheviot Blue yarn. And you will doubtless know Whistlebear and their incredible mohair and Wensleydale yarn and their Cuthbert sock. This is a new yarn that they've produced. It is 60% Cheviot shearling and 40% BFL and it has been woolen spun. And this is what Alice said. She says, we're very proud of Cheviot Blue as it embodies all of our principles at Whistlebear. 
the wool is either from our own sheep or sheep kept by people we know and whose management of their flocks and standards of welfare we respect. The breeds of sheep are traditional to the UK and thrive in their natural environment. Their fleeces have been scoured, carded, spun in in Yorkshire, which minimises miles travelled from us in Northumberland, and the yarn is dyed by hand at Whistlebear with the love and respect that a beautiful, natural product deserves. Then Alice sent me lots of Cheviot Blue for prizes for the KB deck, but also she sent me a review skein and two mini skeins for our Wooly Mucker reviewers. For those of you who don't know, there's a thread over in the Knit British Ravelry group where you can register to be a listener reviewer. This time it was Lady Grey, Tracy and Becca Badger, Rebecca, who were chosen by Random.org and I sent them their little mini skeins. And before we look at the reviews, let's look at the wool in the blend. Cheviot. Hmm, you know I love it. And we may have more Cheviot very, very soon. I can't say more than that. Cheviots are a sheep that you'll see a lot of in the UK, particularly in the borders. They're very distinctive white-faced sheep. Their fleece is dense and firm with no kemp. And the crimp is a bit special as it's 3D and uniform. Micron count ranges from about 24 to 33 micron. And the Cheviot in this blend is the first shear. BFL, as we know, it's a long wool breed. The staple can be up to 15 centimetres long. And the micron count is in the 20s. So it's lustrous, springy incredibly versatile and when blended with other fibres let's face it, it's a bit magical. When the Cheviot Blue arrived I remarked on three things the massive plumpy skein the depth of the colours in the hand dye and the character of that handle Cheviot can be a chalky wool and when you worsted spin it the fibres are all combed and aligned and it it makes a smooth yarn And this is woolen spun and it's incredibly light and airy. Um, Woolen spinning involves carding the fleece so it's not aligned like worsted. The fibres are scattered in all directions in the yarn and that's why woolen spun makes a great yarn for colour work. All those fibres are grabby. So in the hand squish grab there is this great bounce and I love that dry hand as well. I had a distinct feeling that this would be a great all-round yarn for a number of stitch patterns. So I set about making a swatch that would have different textures in it. The ply of the yarn is four ply. Two single plies together, really beautifully plied yarn. The stitches knitted crisply and the open work. I did a little eyelet portion of the swatch, even unblocked. That was beautifully open and I thought, yeah, this is going to be a really good yarn for lace. The textured slip stitch that I did, it stands proud and to attention. I actually really love this little slip stitch. I, sorry, I forgot to, to I should, I've got the swatch in my hand. I'm, I'm not really telling you much about it. So this is the me with the length of yarn through my thumb and forefinger. It's a, it's a dry, velvety 
feeling. It's beautiful. So yes, the, the textured slip stitch, I really like how that stood to attention. I did a little bit of a mock cable and I wish I'd done a better cable because I believe cables would be really defined and precise um, in this yarn and the mock cable that I did is just a bit nothingy. Um, not that the yarn is nothingy in the yarn, it's just that it wasn't the best stitch to use. I finished up with a bit of horseshoe lace and again the lace and the decreases are crisply defined. I washed it in my usual Ucelan and actually it soaked all day while I was at work and took it out when I got home and blocked it and was amazed at how quickly it dried. Now that is that bodes well for garments because how what are we like when we finish a garment and we block it, wash it and block it and we just want it to dry right away. This dried super fast, super fast. I was impressed at the blocking. Days later, it's still in its shape and still kept its, de its definition. The raised stitches still pop and the open work still really well blocked. And it tells me that this is going to be a really great all-round yarn. In fact, I didn't hadn't even knit the swatch when I went over to whistlebear.com and just bought a sweater quantity of the double knit for a cardigan. I'm thinking it would might make a great incunabula from Carrie Westman's This Thing of Paper. Alice's colours are so beautiful and I just kind of want to use a bunch of them together. And I think because this is a beautiful woolen spun yarn, it will be incredible for colour work. Um, and a colour work sweater, maybe something like Ursula uh, by Kate Davies Designs, that fantastic cardigan. Uh, or stripes in Gudrun Johnson's Butterforth sweater would be great. I feel that those who are not so fond of a slight prickle might want to edge away from this yarn, but I believe that the dense woolly content of that plumpy, plumpy, sproingy cheviot and that fantastic BFL will just wash and wear so incredibly well that this is going to be a great yarn in terms of longevity. Um, but never mind what I think, because you, you just might think I might just be saying all that. But this is what Tracy and Rebecca think. Rebecca, uh, up first, because that's the one that's in front of me. She says that she... I should have said, sorry, this for, the four-ply that we were all using to begin with. And she says that she knit her cast on on 375 millimeter needles. She says, initial observances. In the skein, the yarn is plump and squishy with character. It isn't spun particularly tightly, but it isn't loose um, so that it is splitty. I wanted to see how this yarn looked in a variety of stitches. Same here. Uh, so I used stockinette with some lace and cabling surrounded by a garter stitch border. I used 40 stitches and 60 rows. It was 14 by 16 centimetres unblocked. The yarn had great stitch definition, looked good in both cables and lace. I should have perhaps used slightly smaller needles, but even with 3.75s, the stitches were fairly even. The yarn didn't split at all during the knitting and it was a pleasure to use. I did notice when I was knitting from the ball that the yarn did like to stick to itself. So um, at that point, I imagined the wool would also felt fairly easily. In the wash, block and wear test one, I gently washed the swatch in uh, plain warm water and blocked it to 20 by 18.5 centimetres. Once it was dry and unpinned, the swatch remained this size. 
I wore the swatch inside my sleeve of a Jacob's cardigan, she says in parenthesis. On a trip into town, I didn't notice any itching. In fact, the only reason I noticed it was because part of my arm was nice and warm. Uh, there wasn't any noticeable felting, which surprised me a little, as I thought, with the sticky tendency in the ball. And in fact, I was wearing it next to Jacob. I thought it would felt at least a little. Uh, once I got home, I moved the swatch to my leg, which again, I didn't cause me any problems. I decided to try it on my back. And this seems to be where I was most sensitive to fabrics. And it did itch a little and I had to remove it. That's a fantastic moving that swatch around. That is that is dedication to the swatching reviewing cause, Rebecca. She says in the wash block wear test two for the second wash, I decided um, to do everything you're not meant to do when washing wool, short of throwing it in the machine. I put it straight into hand hot soapy water, normal supermarket delicate detergent. Uh, folded it in half, scrubbed it. I did that a few times for a few minutes, then rinsed it in very cold water uh, and rang it out rather viciously and left it to dry flat. The swatch is now 17 by 16 centimetres. Surprisingly, there is some, there is obviously some felting. The stitch definition is still fairly good and I actually rather like this look. The rough treatment has softened up the yarn wonderfully and I could just about tolerate it on my back with only minor irritation. I think a third wash would make it even softer. I have to say though, hot, hand hot water is usually how I wash woolens. So that's not too hot. But I suppose we all wash things differently. Final assessment, she says, I think the wool is a definite candidate for not judging by first impressions as it softens up so much during washing. I think this would make fantastic cardigans, jumpers, hats, gloves, and even shawls and scarves. I would love to try this yarn in a colourwork pattern. I think anyone with particularly sensitive skin should be a little careful with what they use this yarn for, but it's a great all-rounder. The only thing I wouldn't recommend this yarn for is socks, as it's fairly loosely spun. What a cracking review, Rebecca. That is awesome. Thank you so much. Let's go over to Tracy is Lady Grey and see what her, her review on Ravelry. Tracy said that, and she was using a, a natural colour, I should say that um, Rebecca was using the colour Will-o'-the-Wisp um, which is a lovely pale lilac grey colour. So Tracy says she used 3.25mm needles to do a, a simple diagonal garter stitch square. She says... I instantly fell in love with the label and, and the label is fantastic. Whistle Bear have gone through um, a little rebranding. and She says the goat stood out against the array of British wildflowers and herbs, a simply gorgeous design in my opinion. The skein smelt deliciously sheepy and felt strong and dependable, almost string-like with a softer touch. Whilst knitting, a soft halo of hairs developed and I did come across the very occasional stiff hair that easily pulled out with my fingers. This doesn't bother me as I feel that it reflects the genuine provenance and, uh, of the yarn. The swatch had a nice stitch definition and a durable quality when it was completed and it measured 6 inches by 6 inches. 6 inches. 
<laughs> washing, I hand washed in Ysalan and blocked it to the original size. In wearing it, I popped it in the waistband of my jeans so that the swatch was against my skin. I wore it all day whilst enjoying a day around Whitby. There was an initial prickle, but I soon forgot it was there. I admit to perverse pleasure each time I removed it and went to the loo. <laughs> there is something strangely pleasant about having a little piece of knitting along for the day, almost like a tiny comfort blanket, almost like a tiny secret that only you know as well that's what I think anyway at the end of the wear test I felt that the swatch had generally softened and although the stitch definition is still present there is a lovely setting in of the stitches and the swatch has bloomed in a beautiful strong fabric my thoughts turned to colour work and I imagined that a fair isle pattern hat would be stunning in this yarn I doubt it would be soft enough to be worn next to the skin but with more washing and wearing I may be proved otherwise wrong final assessment I admit to being ignorant of Whistlebear and so turned to the internet to do some research their website has recently been updated and the information given is excellent I simply love the photographs of the Angora goats and the other sheep Whistlebear now produced three different yarns in a range of weights with an excellent pattern support. I fell in love with the Daisy Snood and a skein of their uh, Yavering Bell 80% Mohair 20% Wensdale is on its way to me as I type. This is a fantastic review. This is a this is an all-round review, this is. She says, Whistlebear also hand-dye their own yarn in small batches of 10 on their farm and the colours are truly gorgeous with names inspired by the history of the Northumbrian region in uh, which the farm sits. As well as on their website, they also have a Ravelry forum. I would certainly buy the Cheviot Blue yarn again and will be looking out for them at fibre festivals as I'm interested to see what heavier weight yarns are like too. That is such a helpful review, Tracy. Anybody coming across your fantastic review on Ravelry is going to be totally genned up. Thank you so much for that great review. Cheviot Blue costs... £16 for 100 grams, which I think is exceptional. And it's in DK and 4-ply. There are mini skeins too, which are £4 for 20 grams, which is going to be great if you are going to be knitting some colour work. Um, Again, as Tracy said, there is um, rebranding with glorious new logo. If you head on over to whistlebear.com, I dare you not to be swayed by the array of, of Alice's incredible colours. Um, this swatch that I knit is in the Aurora shade. It's fantastically green and the DK I got is a great blue which I just can't get a good picture of called All is Ship Shape. Um, thank you to Alice for your generosity in giving us yarn for prizes and for review. You know I always say that the biggest strides and in innovation in British rule are happening at a grassroots level and you know, Cheviot Blue is another great and important yarn. It's I'm so glad to see Cheviot, you know, becoming a popular wool for yarn and it's quite rightly being allowed to shine. For so long it was thought of as only being good for carpets and upholstery and if it was in a yarn, it wasn't detailed in the label because some mills and wool men thought that no one would want to knit with essentially a carpet wool. It is so much more than a carpet wool and again, blended with something like BFL, it's a magical yarn. Thank you again to Alice, to Tracy and Rebecca for your wonderful and insightful yarn reviews. Um, as promised, I have got some 
Sound bites from the Edinburgh KB Drink Eat Chat Knit, 100 episode Drink Eat Chat Knit. As I expected, I have sort of run out of time for this, so I <laughs> will be keeping some back for another day. But firstly, I wanted to tell you, um, you might have seen on Instagram that we had some amazing wee goodie bags for the Edinburgh party, which was just a wee gesture which had incredibly amazing donated goodies inside. Of course I held one back um, <laughs> for a prize for the Knit British podcast. Um, inside you'll find a wee KB100 badge, laser cut by the amazing Knitting Goddess, uh, and also a really special skein of yarn amongst other things. The yarn is from lovely Uist Wool, who had intended to send us a skein for the prize giveaway that day, but Hazel forgot. So she generously popped a skein of, uh, I'm going to say, Kernish. I don't know if that's right or wrong. I apologise, Gaelic speakers, if I'm saying that wrong. Kernish yarn, which is a very spe special Zwarpel and Ryland yarn. Uh, it is the last skein of that yarn. Um because actually the Ryland sheep are no longer in Uist. Uh, this is sheep that Fiona, who works at Uist Wool, kept, and that's yarn made from their fleece. And I have more Uist Wool news next time, but this is a lovely yarn indeed, and it's, it's very special because it's the last of its kind. One of you needs to take loving care and ownership of that yarn. There are also one or two other little things in the bag as well. Also, as um, a, a sort of a runner-up prize, something got left behind after our amazing prize giveaway on that day, and I didn't realise, but the fantastically wonderful and generous Erica Eccles, she gave us um, some incredible prizes, and one of them fell off the table, and it is a little... Uh, darning needle case and I didn't realise until the end of the day so we're going to give you the chance to win it the, these are lovely prizes the bags were also screen printed by the very amazing Joy the knitting goddess so to be in with a chance of winning your own wee bit of the KB deck with added Uist wool get on over to the Ravelry group and someone recently told me that they don't like to enter for prizes in the Ravelry group because while they are members of Ravelry, they only lurk in the Net British group. Just enter. It doesn't matter. Just because you're a lurker and you don't take part in conversations normally does not mean you can't enter. So please don't do that. I mean, my goodness, there are people who only come on over to the Net British Ravelry group who aren't members just to, you know, be in with a chance of winning a prize and don't have any intention of becoming a member. So honey please um <laughs> my lovely lovely board lurkers do enter the ravelry prizes please i'm gonna make this uh, a relatively uh, short length giveaway that i usually do so do go on over to enter i won't have these particular bags again um, as I say, screen printed by the knitting goddess i won't have them again either possibly in the bag style or the printed styles so it is you know slightly special and before I leave you with some of the signs from the KB deck in Edinburgh 
I should also tell you that Susan Hobkirk, who is Mac Park on Ravelry, she is organising a KB get-together in Salisbury, which is fantastic. And it's looking to be a lovely day too, with yarny pursuits including shopping. So do check the thread in the Ravelry group for that. I'm going to leave you with a few minutes of chat from the KB deck. Um, I think there's a swear word in this, so those of you with a... Uh, aversion to such things can cover your ears. Um, I will be back briefly before Edinburgh Yard Festival. You know you can take that briefly with a pinch of, shot, pinch of salt because, you know, I don't do brief very well. Uh, and then I will also be back later in the month for wool exploration. March is about the only month you're going to get two episodes out of me. Uh, so enjoy it. Um, I do have to say, I did think about when I record this podcast with, with Wool Exploration and everything else, I did think at one point that I might have put out the Wool Exploration as a sort of appendix or, you know, uh, you know, episode 101A. But you know what? It's <laughs> That's more work. And I know it makes for a longer episode. And I know some of you commented that you had to take the Knit British 100th episode in sort of sessions because it was quite long. That is how long they're going to be now. They are going to be this long. I think what I shall do is keep on telling you when we're halfway through uh, or when it will be a good point in the show to pause uh, if you need to and come back for the next section. So I think that's what we're going to do. Anyway, it's all feeling our way around and feeling my way around and you'll just have to forgive forgive that. I want to make the best of the time that I have doing this podcast and if it means we're here for an hour and three quarters um, and you have to do it in digestible amounts, um, then, then that's how it has to be. Um, thank you so very much for listening. As I say, I will be back really soon into the next month. Uh, I hope... You are. I haven't even mentioned Blacker Podcast. I will be talking about that next time, um, along with a, the preview of that new Jacob's yarn from Blacker and lots of other things. Until then, enjoy your wool explorations. Take very good care. Bye for now. Desert Island yarn, Jenny. A Desert Island yeah, yarn. Yeah, something that you would take to Desert Island. Yes, the one I've just bought, actually. Yes? Yes, it's the Cheviot Alpaca Blend. Oh, my goodness, from New Leaf. From Jane, yeah, from New Leaf. And what I love it? it, love it. What is it about that you like about it? Um, well, because I'm a certain age and a certain hair colour, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of matched me yeah. and I have a hat pattern I haven't knitted yet so I'm That's going amazing. to knit it. So yeah. you got a pair that you know what, knew what it was going to be straight away? I, when I touched the sample um, when she was giving the talk I knew it had to be me this afternoon. Yeah. Amazing! Yeah. That is absolutely amazing. Thank you very much. That's lovely. You're welcome. Thank you. What can you remember knitting first? Well, 
I know when I learned to knit at some point when I was a child, but I had no idea of what it was. Okay. But I, then I didn't knit again until I was much older. And when I came back to it to try and learn how to do it properly, I decided, because I didn't know any better, to try knitting something that I liked, which was a Fair Isle kind of tam, Ooh. which I knit with completely the wrong yarn because I had no concept that, you know, different Agent. yarn, different sizes, yeah. that sort of thing. Um, I knit it on... I knitted it on double pointed needles and I didn't have enough of the right size so I just mixed and matched all the sizes so I ended up with this kind of giant rasta hat by the time it was finished but then I was like oh well well at least I know basically what to do now so it all got ripped apart I was going to say did you keep it but I no I didn't know did it, it become was, something else it did it became another hat actually oh, so yes. I'm going to ask you Joe, about yeah. the first thing that you can remember knitting the first thing I remember knitting is, it was some Collinet yarn, yes. I think it was the point five, and my parents volunteer on the narrow gauge railway that is next door to where Collinet used to be, because it's closed now, yeah. and my mum dragged me into the factory shop, and I just went and bought a load of this point five, and made, everybody got scarves, they like moss stitch scarves for Christmas That's that year, amazing. and I must have knit about... 15 of them because I sold some and then I kind of that was really what got me back into knitting. So I'll ask you what was the first thing that you can remember knitting? Well my very first knit actually isn't a very happy story. My first knit was when I was about five or six and I was at school and we all had to knit a teddy bear and I knitted my teddy bear and I was so proud of my teddy bear and it was red and it was kind of wobbly and a bit holy and I was so proud of my teddy bear and I took it to school and there was this girl Jenny in my class. I sense I we don't like Jenny. Hated. We didn't like Jenny. I hated Jenny and she brought in her teddy bear and her teddy bear was purple and it was completely perfect. It was just there wasn't a hole, there wasn't a wiggle, there was nothing. And I didn't even get my teddy bear out because I was so ashamed that my teddy bear wasn't as good as hers. But you know what? What Jenny doesn't have her own yarn business or farm, so fuck Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can say that now. With the distance of some 40 years. <laughs> it only took me 35 years to get back to nothing. <laughs> Take care of that truck. You're the new star now. podcast to find out more visit www.knitbritish.net you can email me louise at knitbritish.net i'm on twitter and instagram as at knit underscore british and i'm on ravelry as lira
up romance just for publicity. The price of fame, Don. Now you've got the glory. You're going to take a little heartaches to go with it. Now look at me. I got no glory. I got no fame. I got no big mansions. I got no money. What I've got. What have I got? I don't know. What have you got? I got to get out of here.